Welcome to ACME Talks and Live Events. You are listening to a podcast from the Australian Centre for the Moving Image. This talk has been recorded in front of a live studio audience. This podcast is an audio recording of a live event. It may reference visual material that cannot be represented in this recording. It may also contain strong language and adult themes, which may not be suitable for younger audiences. And the opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of ACME. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Patrick Taylor. Um, I'm the creative director of Visual Playground. Um, I'm joined here by Emily Harwich, the founding director of uh, Visual Playground. Um, we're here basically to talk about our motion response that we put together over the course of the last eight months. Um, and pretty much the journey of how we went from this at the start of it all to this um, by the end of it. So we're really excited to be here and we're really excited to be involved with this project and we'd like to say thank you to Pause and the Foundry for this opportunity. And um, so we would... Who are we? Who are we? So this is some examples of some of the work that we've done. We're Visual Playground production house based in South Melbourne, specialising design in design, animation and visual effects. Uh, we've got a very, uh, very talented team of producers, designers and animators, and we love what we do and we're always striving for the best. Um, so let's uh, get into sort of how it came about what you just saw. Um, one word, thanks guys, pure. Pure. Great, great brief. Um, so th this was a great opportunity for the whole team to get involved in brainstorming sessions and really, really get into what, what everyone was thinking. And so often you're just trying to service a client and, and what their ideas are and try and improve on what, what they've come up with to start with. But this was an opportunity for everyone to have input. So we had concepts ranging from motion poetry, kaleidoscopes, liquid simulations, macro photography... And even we're talking about an Xbox camera hacks at one point. So, um, but then we really decided when we sat down, we were talking about purity and what it means to everyone. And then you know the obvious um, nature came up, and um, and liquid and milk and children. And so it was also pure. But we were like, well, what makes it pure? And what makes it pure is the impurity. So we started to think about. The, the balance between impure and purity, and um, and that really really attracted us. Um, we love the idea of sort of touching into a bit of darkness, and and the thought that without impurity, you can't really compare pure. You can't find pure, and um, and then we started thinking about like, as human beings, what do we strive for? We're, like, there's a constant strive for purity in the things like we create and and um, things that we produce, but the path left behind in, is usually a path of destruction to a certain degree to, to aim for that, um, that high existence of purity. So we love the thought of um, taking something symbolic such as nature and then, you know, um, something that is almost the, the opposite of that, and which is like machinery and technology to a certain degree and how we can sort of get those two... You know, to work together. To work together, but also, yeah, show the destruction. And, and one of our um, team came up with a great concept of um, this machine that labours so hard to carefully craft at just one single drop, um, and that's a representation of pure. So all this um, energy goes into making it, and then that one drop, and 
falls away into the ocean and it's forever forgotten. And it's all about that one brief moment, that one pause of time where that drop exists before it's gone into the ocean and forgotten about. We love that idea and we love the idea of nature and so how can we marry this? And, and so um, we also wanted to have some fun with the Rube Goldberg machine because yeah. everyone loves a Rube Goldberg, Goldberg machine, um, especially one... <laughs> settled on the idea of a butterfly to represent um, nature in our, in our story. And so focusing on the two worlds, nature versus machine, we, we thought, we broke that down and came up with the idea that it could be the two sides to the pause logo. So we had one side which was the nature side and one side which was the manufacturing and the, the technological side. And, um, and the two worlds were both connected and they fed each other. And, and that, that's, that's pretty much how we started. That's well, that's, yeah, that's where the idea came from. And we're like trying to figure out how, how are they connected? How can they symbiotically be connected? And, and then um, we, we knew we wanted to do a butterfly flight. So there was kind of a bit of a narrative versus, um, you know, how we wanted to visually, you know, uh, challenge ourselves as well. And then M came up with the idea of, well, why don't we just get a butterfly sucked into a turbine? And from there, it was just like fantastic. That's, we love it. It's dark, it's fun, it's, you know. Um, so at this point, the, the story's evolving, but it's also evolving visually as well. So, um, so we were happy with that. So we basically started listing, the, our process was, you know, let's look at how, what things are we gonna build. So on, that's what, on the left-hand side, it's just like, oh, what, what represents, uh, you know, the world of organic, what represents the, the world of um, machinery, and, and where are we gonna start? So we just, Got a bit of a storyboard together. We got a bit of a narrative together. This is all pushing, if it wasn't for those whip dates that we had given to us by pause, we may never, never even gotten this far. Um, so we've drawn, done a really basic storyboard. Uh, we've worked out all the points from a butterfly flight to the turbine sucking and then somehow it's gonna become a liquid and then we'll worry about the rest of the narrative later. Yeah, so, and of course, we had a thousand other jobs happening at the same time, so it was always a big juggle trying to say, when, who's doing pause and when are we going to do pause? And so having the deadlines was quite important and crucial to us, actually, like any job, managing a job and completing it. Um, so after the storyboard, we, the next process after that was looking at reference material and we, everyone, everyone went away and... Um, we, as a group, decided, well, everyone wanted to explore different parts of the project and be involved, and everyone was very excited and, um, and yeah, so they all took sort of interest in different areas, and, um, and so different roles were assigned and people were um, working just based on the strength of what they could do and also how they wanted to challenge themselves. Um, uh, yeah, sorry, could you keep going? Okay. And so that we, we looked into, like some, these are some of the, the things we were investigating, realistic shaders and lighting, 
and we all agreed we didn't want it to have a really cartoony kind of feel. It should be stylized. Um, and yeah, it was, it was an opportunity to, to really showcase what we could do. And um, we wanted the project to be representative, representative of us as a studio, our skills, our ability, but also pushing, at the, pushing what we can do as well. And, and we knew it had to be done outside of all our well, other that's it. jobs. Yeah. We had to be realistic about what we were going to bite off and what we could chew. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> you know, and even still, it, yeah, it was a challenge. Um, that's for sure, which we'll get to. Um, but so we sort of jumped in head first. At the first stage, we managed to part the seas a little bit for um, one of our skilled 3D kings um, who jumped into it and just immediately started modelling. I think he started straight on, onto the mechanics first and then maybe got onto the organics because that was where his vision was coming from the start with the steampunk look and, and you know, just getting into the nitty-gritty of mechanics. And one thing we definitely wanted to challenge ourselves was push our dynamics um, physics uh, in all this as well. And so we started doing all of our builds and developments. And at this point, as you'll see here, we got to a point and he had to go off onto another job. So we'd had basically all of the parts of our narrative that we'd figured out were there, but then from where the butterfly gets caught until the parts where it becomes pure, we still hadn't figured that out, hence the sketches. And so we ended up hand, um, handing it over to one of our other 3D artists who pretty much started writing the rest of that narrative. And so it was, we had conversations such as, so how do the chips become goo and then how does the goo become liquid and then how does the liquid become pure? You know, you just your average office conversations on a Wednesday night. Um, so we got to this point and where we had the narrative um, pretty much worked out. Uh, we, and we had the goo part. It was always going to pull out to the, to the logo. Then we thinking that's not a great finish. And then one of our guys had an absolute brainstorm. It was about 11 o'clock probably on a, on a Friday night and came in the next day on the Monday and it was, well, why don't we make the butterflies come out and it's all a concentric cycle. My mind was blown. I loved it. So we went with that. And so this is where we were at this stage. And this is, I think, in September. At this point, we're basically just doing camera plotting. We've got a pretty, pretty good sense of our animation, our camera work. Um, at this, we knew that we were going to be teaming up with a colleague um, for the audio, base. So we had a fair good sense of what we were doing at this point. And you can see in the early animatic here that we've got the two sides of the of the Fours logo in there. The technology side is quite evident. Well, as a natural sign. So as you can see, it's it's really not changing too much. But at this point, we're still like going straight into the butterflies, loving the idea, and then we pull away. And there's this amazing world that we've created. That's the full reveal. That was going to be it. It was. Oh my god! It was <laughs> such a good idea. But the reality will come later. Okay, so we got into the style development. Um, our art director on this project, Shannon, had, he just had a vision from the start. He just loved the idea of everything is looking real, but it's all been handcrafted from wood. And then this, um, to add to the, the juxtaposition of, of the whole project, you've got the, the natural 
synthetic texture, the natural textures of wood and then the synthetic textures of paint and spray paint. And like we both come from graffiti backgrounds. We love that idea of wood and paint. And so we were just drawing influences from everything from like local Melbourne graffiti artists, even like um, outside of our state, which sometimes you don't do, but yep, we love it. Um, and, and we were starting to do style development, work out a colour palette and things like that. This is all in um, early stages. This is where we're basic modelling in, in Cinema 4D and just um, plotting away. And, um, and at the same time, we really had to get animating as well. So as you'd seen, we'd done the basic plotting and things like that, but we had to get down to the nitty grit of like details. Um, and one of our great research points was the butterfly scene. And so, you know, one of our animators, Chris, he was plotting away at this one scene, just trying to make sure that we could get, like these are all 1,000 um, frame shots, we wanted to get like 5,000. So that's pretty much what we did with those chips, etc. Um, that turns out to be, don't try and work in 1,000 frames in, in um, animation. It's better if you just try and work it out in a different way. We've figured that one out. Um, and same thing with our, our flowers. Um, going through these sort of uh, things, we've, we found that it had a look, but it wasn't quite exactly what we were after until we had a look at one of these other um, flowers and the way it sort of folds back up in at the end of the day, we absolutely loved. So we thought of you know, what if we reverse it and hence where we got our idea for the way that was actually all unfolding. Um, then we're into goo tests. Um, this is where one of our um, team was basically just left to our own devices to sort of play around. We had the idea, we, we sort of knew what we wanted to do, but we didn't know how it was going to be done um, with our skinning tests, etc. And we kind of, uh, well, we've got another animatic, but I think, well, there you go. So we got to this next stage where things are being basically plotted out. We've got the animation pretty down and we're getting to the point where we're going to have to start moving over. So all our animation um, was done in cinema. We were doing our builds um, in Maya and then we basically had to get them marrying again for our final renders. Um, and so once we got all this organised, we, we got all our anim animation done, so we were passing things over using the Olympic file system. Um, which was working quite well. Um, it was working really well for us because they talk to each other extremely well and they also really came in handy because they're down the track when we started using new. Um, so, yeah, I could go into detail about how some of these scenes just absolutely killed our guys um, and that's probably for a good half an hour talk about the pain and anguish of um, trying to get this project done in the time frame. But, I will say that, you know, at this point, we're pre I think it's around Christmas now. Um, we've managed to still push out all our jobs and nothing's been late, except for our deadlines for pause, of course. Um, but we've pl punched out probably about, you know, 12, 15 jobs in this time. We've, and um, our, one of our lead animators has gone off and had a baby. Um, so, you know, life, life kicks in. Um, we got to the point of of actually uh, dealing with Echoic Audio. And that was like, that for me, coming back, coming from a music background, that was like one of my favourite parts of this project, working with someone so talented that comes from the same sort of electronic music background, 
Late night Skype calls, because um, these guys are in the UK. Um, he's getting up at six in the morning. We're hanging around till seven o'clock, eight o'clock at night at the office. Um, back and forth, too much Skrillex, a little less Skrillex, those kind of conversations. But we, um, we came to a beautiful marriage, which we're really happy with. Um, and that's, once again, that's probably another whole talk in itself. Um, so just, just a little bit about the, the systems that we, the studio workflow, so you can sort of see how, hear how we managed it, which was through Google Office, so everyone could update their process as they progressed on the individual shots, and that worked really well for us. And, um, and this is some of the screens from Nuke, and look, um, our, our studio hadn't had a lot of experience with Nuke prior to this experience, so um, it, was a, it was a really great opportunity for us to, to use the software and to, to um, get the most out of it, of what it can offer. And I mean, a lot of the things that, that we did with it, um, you can't do the same things in other software. And, and it allowed us to, uh, with its 32-bit software, you could add, remove light, define levels of reflection, and completely recreate different looks. Um, so we, we were really pleased with what some of the, the features in there that, um, and found it really valuable in the process, all the way from look development and compositing. Um, and yeah, here's, here's an example um, using the, the Limbrick files and with the 3D model in the scene and using nulls and camera extraction and creation, creation of extra render layers and yeah. like paint that can be added um, in, in the compositing stage on the objects and dirtying yeah. it up and texturing this is, it. This is a really cool part that I loved about it was we could literally bring in the, the mesh, change out, add, add extra layer, layer passes of of texture without having to go back into the 3D, re remap it, re-render, put it in as another pass. This just allowed us to do it on the fly and then just render it out um, on top of all the other compositing that we were doing at the time. So time-wise, time, time -wise, it was just an absolute godsend in a lot of ways um, to be able to pump through a lot of that because realistically, this was like Christmas and we were due in like two, three weeks and we were coming in on the weekends and in our spare time and everything. So, um, yeah, time was the one thing that we needed on our side. And our Mari workflow, unfortunately, we don't have another screen grab because our licence ran out, but um, to, for us to be able to put in the presentation, but we used that throughout the whole um, build stage of this. The, the use of UV, UVs and um, the way we were able to just um, easily paint and pass on was just um, great. So we, a couple of our guys really got a good chance to know that um, and learn that, at this, you know. And, and then a couple process. of people were already experienced as well. So it was a really good workflow that we were able to sort of have people experience and passing on their knowledge to other people as well. Um. So um, what did we learn from this project? Well, there, there are quite a few things which were, which we get like time management and having great producers behind you. Don't let the creative overshadow the narrative. Have a contingency when things don't go the way you plan. Be willing to switch tracks. Teamwork. Know your team to use all your resources effectively and don't be afraid to get your feet wet. And lastly, don't forget to have fun. And um, I just wanted to add also don't be surprised when your kids come up with comments such as, but mum, why are you making a, a, a butterfly shredding machine and why is it spitting out zombie butterflies? <laughs> So go. thanks very much. <laughs> thanks to Visual Playground for this opportunity. It's been really good. Um, it's been very up and down. As you see there, that was our world unfinished. Um, it, we toyed over it for days and we realised we needed another month to be able to do the reveal that we want. But like in the previous slide, 
don't let the creative overshadow the narrative. I don't think we lost anything, but we'll probably do a director's cut and release that in a couple of months. So um, thank you very much, and thanks for giving us the chance to talk about it. Great, what a beautiful film. My favourite bit was when the zombies were sucked into the vortex. <laughs> I thought that was excellent. Um, I thought the, um, like the, you guys bring up an interesting um, uh, point that not many studios talk about, which is where you talk about letting a 3D artist uh, write the narrative. Um, that was uh, sort of a, uh, the, if you expand on how that works and how that works. Well, look, I think with a job like this, it, we were literally like, who's got, who can we spare at this moment? And um, we had we had a, a beginning, a middle, mm. and we had an end, but we didn't quite refine the yeah. middle at that point. And so, for that, I like, I wanted everyone to be challenged in a certain way, in a certain way. I, I think, and this is just being quite broad in general, but sometimes a lot of designers aren't the greatest storytellers. Sometimes storytellers can't really draw a picture mm. as well. And, um, and so I think in certain areas throughout the project, we, I was setting, I was happy to get people's feet wet and set them a bit of a challenge. But it also fell on the p fact that we could only spare one person at that time. We needed to get that, that part yeah. of the job finished as well. Yeah. So obviously guidance and, and back and forth and, you know, um, working with myself and Lisa, we were um, doing it. But, and we had multiple inputs. That was the beauty of this job was, you know, we're, we're in a... Uh, space where everyone's sort of able to see everyone else's mm. screen. So when someone's working on something, they just literally turn their head and yeah. they'll say, what do you think about this and that? So there was a lot of input coming from... Yeah. So it wasn't really it was, just left It was a really collaborative process from yeah. the whole team and, yeah. and, this is, and that's what we loved about it, that everyone could have their say and, yeah. that, and they felt connected to it and it wasn't... Yes, you know, Pat was creative director and directed a lot of what was going on, but it, every, all, it was a real chance for people to, to sort of have their say in, and what they wanted to do, and, and, and we listen, because yeah. if it's a good idea, then why not do it? That's right, yeah, and I think that's, I suppose, a, a really nice feature of, I suppose, a job where, not that you had a lot of time, but a job where you're the, the client, so you, you, exactly you've right, got and a bit of freedom difference. to allow new mm. kind of concepts. And I think this idea of coll collaboration is, um, you know, uh, obviously key because, I mean, me saying that, you know, allowing a 3D artist to write some narrative, I think 3D artists would find it offensive, not offensive, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, but obviously everyone would like to be involved in, all, in parts and be included in all that, so mm. I think it's really nice to have that opportunity. Well, she did a great job, yeah. so we're, mm. we're yeah, extremely happy with yeah. where, how it turned out. Um, any questions here about the use of... Was it Mari using the... Uh, yeah, okay. Mari, Nuke, Cinema 4D, Maya, and other software as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, we, we just don't, like, we'll, we'll use anything that's going to work that, we, that we've got at our disposal. Our so, you yeah. know, from literally, you know, drawing things on paper to, you know, spraying bits on wood and yeah. taking photos or whatever. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. What, what they do? It looked great. Um, yeah, and I was uh, I was also surprised to see the butterfly, the zombie butterfly, to come out at the end. Um, and it was I, I, I didn't feel like it was any loss not to have your reveal. And I th thought that was another really nice point of just l letting the story 
That's right, and, and if there's a strong story, you know, you have to be prepared to let things go. Yeah, that's right, and mm. people who are watching don't know the thing that was in your head. No, exactly, mm. yeah. exactly. So, yeah, mm. that's that's what, one thing I definitely wanted to get across is not everything works out the way you want it to be. Mm. Even, like, whether it's client or whether you're the client or not, you know, sometimes you just got to give the job away when you're not happy with it or you completely get steered down a new path and you, you get open to new ideas as well. Yeah, so, yeah, and that's pretty healthy. Yeah. Um, I had some other things, but let's just wrap it up. Great. Now. Cheers. Great. Thanks very much. You have been listening to an Acme podcast. For more recordings of talks and live events, go to Acme Channel and the Acme website.